Are you a current speaker or an attorney, coach, expert, or entrepreneur who's tired of speaking for free or being underpaid? Are you ready to make bank for your brilliance? I have the perfect solution for you. Speaker moguls. We create highly paid sought after speakers by focusing on teaching you to master the business of professional speaking and building a bankable speaker brand that gets you known and paid. If you're ready to do what it takes for clients to put some respect on your name and pay you your value, you need to join our Speaker Moguls community now. You can join us at speakermogulsgroup.com. Yep, that's speakermoguls with an S, group.com. Let's go get your money. Welcome to the Ladies Who Leverage podcast, where we empower women to own their power, create influence and impact, and live life unapologetically AF. It's time to leverage your expertise, resources, and relationships to build your business, brand, and badassery. So just click subscribe and let's get it. I'm your host, Kelly Charles Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Ladies Who Leverage podcast, and I'm your host, Kelly Charles Collins. Today, we have an amazing guest. Her name is Patty Asai, and she is known as the Duchess of Decorum. So I have to tell y'all with that, um, (laughs) it's all about etiquette. And poor me, I sat here and put on my lip gloss while she was sitting here watching. So that's probably... That's probably not the best form of etiquette. All good. It's all good. (laughs) But you know, we're here. All right. So I want to give you a little bit of background about Patty before we start um, chatting. And I'm I'm so happy to speak to her because like me, she's kind of a left brain, right brain person. And I think we're just the most magnificent people in the world. So um, Patty was born in Iran and she moved to Los Angeles as a youth and has spent the last 20 years in a multifaceted career in finance focused mostly in finance. Uh, She attended Loyal Law School, and it was during this time that she taught herself proper etiquette with limited resources. So from relationship management, business development, investment banking, and raising capital from sovereign wealth funds and private equity, Patty has seen all sides of that industry. But here's the the really interesting part. Within the last year, Patty has created a TikTok account as a way to provide education, advice, and techniques to help young folks navigate their way through work, finances, social settings, and more. So she has a really um, direct approach in her TikToks, but it's also really um, peppered with a lot of levity and she gives you real takeaways. So I think that's a great thing. And so it has made her an instant success to the point of this. Listen to this, you all. That in the less than six months, less than six months, she grew her TikTok following to 400,000 followers. Yep, you heard that right. 400,000 followers. And I love when you say this, um, Patty, that it has become appointment television for your <laughs> growing audience. So Patty, thank you so much for being a guest on the Ladies Who Leverage podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. This is going to be fun. This is fun. So I said, you know, that you have been, that you went to Loyola Law School, that you're in finance, and then we have this whole thing around TikTok. But I want to start on the legal and finance side. Tell us a little bit more about your background and whether, you know, we we talked briefly before about practicing and you said that like me, you weren't practicing anymore, but talk about those transitions also. 
Sure. So um, I was a prosecutor for about five years at Cook County State Attorney's Office in Chicago. And um, I got sick and tired of the weather. It was so cold, I couldn't take it anymore. So I, I moved to the West Coast. I was going to think about practicing maybe bankruptcy law or something like that. I'd taken the bar, I passed. And um, it's really serendipitous. I was at a job fair, not just, and not even for me, for my friend. My friend was like, there's a sales job fair. Just come with me. I'm like, all right, I have nothing else to do. So I went and Wells Fargo was there. And I just started talking to the guy at the booth. Like it was nothing really that I was intentionally speaking with him about. And he really liked me. And I liked him. And he said, you know what? We are in, in the merchant services department. That's where they do credit card processing. And he's like, we're really looking to grow this division. So in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm a lawyer, you know, like selling credit card servicing is really what I want to do. Yeah. And then he was like, well, you know, we are looking to um, grow and expand and there will be some management opportunities. And then that's when I was like, oh, and, you know, I always tell people on my TikTok, don't be short-sighted, be long-sighted, right? So if there's growth opportunities, You may have to take a step back to take a few steps forward. So I said, okay. I was like, so what do I have to do in order to get a management job? And he's like, well, you'll have to sell. I was like, you know what? All right, let's do this. I'm like, why not? It was an opportunity that kind of fell in my lap. And um, I went door to door selling credit card processing. Okay. So I went from a lawyer doing that. And, you know, I, I started um, in like the hottest area in LA and I didn't know LA back then because I just moved here in the Valley. It was like 110 degrees. I had on a suit heels carrying this credit card machine. I mean, my suit was just like plastered on me. And I did that. And after four months, I was the top salesperson in the country. Wow. So yeah. So I was like, now you're going to give me a management job. So two months later, they gave me a management position and then it just went off from there and I just continued to advance. That is awesome. And I want to ask you though, about going from lawyer, right? So we know the status of lawyer and then knocking door to door. Mm-hmm. How did you deal with that? Because I know there's so many people who think, oh my God, I could never, right? I just could never, I'm a lawyer. I went to law school and now you want me to go out here and sell stuff and knock on doors. So what was it about you that you were just like, whatever, I'm going out here to do this? Yeah, you know, I've always been a fan of checking your ego to get ahead. A lot of people don't know how to do that. And that's a huge mistake in their careers because of, well, I'm not going to do this. I'm above this. But again, you have to be long-sighted, right? You, You have to look at, what is the goal and how am I going to get there? So I may have to do a few things I don't like right now, but in the long run, it's going to be better for me. And even when I was a prosecutor, um, you know, I was making $30,000 a year in Chicago, right? I wasn't making anything. And I came out of law school with $160,000 worth of student loans. And um, my parents had passed away. I had a younger brother that I'd take care of. So I was waitressing at night. So I was a prosecutor by day and I was a waitress by night. So you just kind of got to do what you got to do in order to survive. And I think, you know, that came from being an immigrant and coming to this country, not speaking the language. So you have these survival skills and these survival instincts that really serve you throughout your entire life. Yeah. One of the things for me, like when I was practicing, um, because kind of like you, I've done all kinds of um, I've done a lot of different things, even during practicing law, like teaching and, you know, had a wedding and event planning business. And I, you know, I just did the things. And one of the things that I always told myself from the very, very beginning 
was that being a lawyer is what I did for a living, not who I was as a person. Absolutely. And so it was okay that I would go do something else because I wasn't tied to lawyer, right? I was tied to how am I going to do the things sure. that I need to do to get where I need to go. Yep. And what I found was in doing that, like you said, you know, being more long-sighted is that you gain so many different skills that serve you well, right? So for me, you know, all the things that I did around teaching and all of those things now serve me well in what I'm doing. And so I think that that was so great of you to just be like, okay, listen, let me take this on and, and let me go. So now you became the top salesperson. And then what happened? Where did you go from there? And then they gave me two months later, they gave me a management position. So I was a territory manager. And then um, six months after that, our uh, the regional manager left and that position was open. And I had no shot at getting that job, literally no shot. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. Worst they can say is no, right? So, um, and we all knew who was going to get this job. This guy that, that had been there for a while, he, he was also a top performer. He'd been there for a few years. We're like, this guy, we know he's, he's the guy that's going to get the job. But I interviewed. So I interviewed. And in the interview, I, I told the person interviewing me, uh, my boss's boss, I was like, listen, you know, um, I know that this person is slated to get the job and I support that. I think this is going to be wonderful. Whatever you do, don't bring some Yahoo from like, you know, Missouri to do this job in LA because we're a different market. So, you know, you have to bring someone that's familiar with this market. So um, a week later, I get a call and they're like, yeah, we want to offer you the regional management job. I was like, what? Like my mind was blown. I couldn't even believe it. And I'm like, what happened to so-and-so? They're like, well, he decided that he really doesn't want to be a manager. And I said, well, what about everybody else that, you know, interviewed? And they're like, well, you know, what you said about don't bring a Yahoo into the marketplace and someone has to be familiar showed that you were really familiar with what we were doing here and that you were confident and we want to offer you the position. So, yeah, so I, I got that regional manage, management job when I didn't even expect it. So, you know, again, another, uh, you know, and another thing people really need to talk about and think about is just throw your hat, name of the hat, hat you know, what, who cares? Right. Let's see what happens. Um, right. And then I, if they say no, uh, Patty, if they say no, you're in no worse position. Exactly. I'm like, but okay, now I'm- they know, like you, like th- now they know who you are. They've spoken to you of something, Absolutely. even if you don't get that position, Something else may came up, come up and they're like, oh, you remember Patty who was, you know, talk for that other position. So you're right. I mean, you have to, you know, it's so funny because I think men do it more than definitely do it more than women, right? They they will go in there on their potential. (laughs) We, we want to go in there based on like what we can actually do or have done as opposed to just being like, no, I'm, you know, Hey, and even if I don't get it, I want you to know that I'm here. Absolutely. And, you know, Every job that I've gotten, honestly, I've never been qualified for. Uh, I've just thrown, really, I just thrown my name in and I went in with the same amount of confidence that men go in when they go into interviews because I've seen the difference, you know? Mm-hmm. I have seen men come in that don't have the skills that are interviewing with me, for example, that don't have the skills, but they're so confident in what they're saying. Then I'll have the woman walk in. And her skills are so much above and beyond the guy that I just interviewed, but she just doesn't have the confidence in herself. 
So, um, you know, that's half the battle is just having yeah. confidence and going in there being like, I know I can do it. And so what, if you don't know exactly what you're doing, figure it out. You're, you're going to figure it out. You have to bet on yourself and know that you're going to figure it out and you're going to figure out just as well as any other man can. Yeah. And so, Patty, did you ever think about, I mean, so you were a prosecutor for five years and then you went into, you got into finance. Did you ever think about going back to practicing law or merging the two in any way? Um, no, I, I really didn't because being a prosecutor is the only thing I really ever wanted to do. Um, I never wanted to sit behind a desk. I, I have ADD um, and I'm also dyslexic. So sitting behind a desk in a corporate job like that um, just wasn't something that ever appealed to me. So I always said, you know, if I won the lottery, I'd go back to being a prosecutor just because I, I love that type of work so much. Yeah. I loved being a public defender. I always tell I, people that is the best, the best training. The I mean, yes. the things that I learned how to do, right? So, and we know this from being, you know, prosecutor defense in and in the courtroom you have to learn to think on your feet, man. You yeah. have to, I mean, you have to be quick. Yep. You have to be able to pivot on a dime. It's like, no, we're not doing this case today. We're doing this one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's go. Right. Let me prepare. <laughs> let me, let me read it really quickly. Really quick. <laughs> oh, we got to pick a jury. Okay. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> so it was some of the best of the best, um, training Absolutely. that I received, but yeah, I, I transitioned into employment law after that and, and practiced law for, you know, quite a long time. Right. And so when you, um, are, you're still in finance. Yes, I am. Where are you now in terms of what you do? I, I do mergers and acquisitions financing. Okay. That's what I do. Yeah. Okay. So still all, all about the numbers, y'all, <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is fascinating, right? For yes. a former lawyer. Cause I always tell people I don't do numbers. I, I don't want anything to do with uh, that. Honestly, I don't either. Okay. Yeah. I'd be honest with you. I, I don't either, but I've learned. So, mm -hmm. and I, I, and I surround myself with people that are good with numbers. Right. So I'm yep. good with a certain, I'm good with, with the selling aspect of it. I'm good with the big picture. I'm good with the strategy. I'm good with all of that, but I surround myself with, with people that are excellent at the numbers and yep. then that's what helps you succeed. Yeah. And that's a good lesson, right? right. Um, many of the, the viewers and the listeners of Ladies Who Leverage podcast are entrepreneurs or, you know, business owners who have taken over somebody's business or, you know, are in a family business. And that's so important when we're thinking about team, right? Because yeah. that's a thing that, you know, helps us to scale and helps us to do, you know, do the things and be the visionary. So for you example, you know, being the visionary and understanding, you know, being up here and understand the overall vision and goals and what needs to be done, but really surrounding yourself with the people who are better at doing those types of things. Absolutely. And, and I think that often that is um, something that scares us, especially mm -hmm. high achieving women, right? Um, about delegating. So in that, in that regard, Patty, what would you, what would you say to women who are entrepreneurs, who, you know, really have the ability to be these amazing visionaries and, you know, take their businesses to the next level, but are afraid to let go of the control and bring other people in to do those things like the numbers or the marketing or whatever it is to give them the space. Right. So my, my advice would be that not nobody is good at everything. Nobody. I don't care who you are. Right. So you have to really maximize your skills. 
figure out what you're good at. And that is where you're going to shine. The other stuff that you're not so good at, you have to be able to delegate to other people and understand that they're going to help you. A lot of people are threatened by, you know, other people coming in and working with them. And that can't be a threat because again, you, you're going to have to have the confidence to know that you're going to shine. And these people are part of your team that are going to help you shine. So let go a little bit of the control. I always say, you know, inspect what you expect. So watch what they're doing, make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, know enough about what they're doing to be, to be able to analyze it as well. Um, but also know that you can't do it by yourself. You just can't. I don't care how good you are. Nobody in this world does it by themselves. And the people that you surround yourself with are probably the most important thing you can do to, to succeed in business. Yeah, absolutely. And in talking about team and, you know, just talking about having other people around you and dealing with other people, I want to switch um, directions right now and talk about etiquette and how we got to you being the Duchess of Decorum. So where did that name come from? People just started calling me that. They were like, oh, you're the decorum queen. You're the duchess. And then I was like, you know, I, I kind of like duchess of decorum. So then, yeah, it, it just kind of stuck. And why is it that, what were you doing that, that made people think, yeah, you're the duchess of decorum? Um, I was really teaching workplace decorum and table etiquette. Those are the main things that I was teaching. I definitely teach, you know, finances, but that also goes towards social decorum. It's what to do with your money, you know, how, how to spend it, things like that. But I mainly started with workplace decorum, interviewing decorum, um, table etiquette, and that's where it came from. What made you get involved? I know we, you know, I mentioned in the beginning that when you were in law school, this is something that you started to get interested in and started working on. But what was it about being in law school or that time in your life that, you know, had you start thinking about etiquette and being really involved in learning about etiquette? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, I come from an underserved background. Uh, my parents weren't rich. I've worked since I was 14 years old. And um, I really wasn't around rich people until I got to law school. And when I got to law school, I would go out to lunch or dinner or even afternoon tea with my friends. And they had all like gone to cotillion. They all had rich parents. So it was clear that they knew what they were doing. And I looked like I was raised in a barn. Like I, I was so embarrassed, you know, like I would, for example, go into afternoon tea. I'll never forget. I was like stirring my tea. You're not supposed to make any noise. And I was like, clink, 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 clink. you know, and everybody at the Four Seasons was like staring at, at me and these people like, what are you doing? And I learned very quickly that if I wanted to advance um, in, the so in the social ladder or professional ladder, then I really needed to learn etiquette. So back then the internet wasn't a thing. And I just went to the library and I checked out as many books as I could. I read the books. I practiced on my dining room table to um, just to perfect it. I watched people around me doing it. And then, you know, I, I just really learned it enough to be able to teach it. Yeah. And, and then you decide that you're going to not only do this, you're going to take this to TikTok. So let's talk about how we get from yeah. prosecutor to yeah. finance to now etiquette to now we are on TikTok. And the, the thing that really fascinates me about the TikTok um, is that you are in, as a lawyer and now like in finance, such regulated industries. 
Yeah. Right. And so then we have TikTok and it just seems that there, you know, there's not an alignment, but watching your TikTok, I see where it is. But when you thought about, well, what made you even think about getting on, on TikTok? And when you did, did you think that, Ooh, some people, you know, in my finance world may not be so happy and excited about me getting onto this, this platform? Uh, Yes. So I want to answer the last question first. Yes, I did think that. And for the longest time, um, you know, I try to separate, separate myself out, you know, like my professional career and my my TikTok career. But then I thought, you know, I'm not saying anything in TikTok that's not uh, true or that doesn't benefit people. The only reason I, I started my TikTok channel is to teach people things they didn't know to help them navigate life better. So it's something beneficial. So it's something that I can't be embarrassed about, right? So if I'm embarrassed about it, why am I doing it? Yeah. So that's that's kind of where I where I am about, you know, it going into my professional career. But how I thought about doing it is um, I have done a lot of work with big brothers and big sisters. I used to be a big sister. I headed up their workplace program at a few of the companies that I work with. And right before the pandemic, I was scheduled to go speak at two or three of their events. And I speak about, again, workplace decorum, interviewing, all of these things, some etiquette. And um, when the pandemic happened, that all they all shut down. I was like, you know what, how can I get this information out there? Because I know that it's so important for people to know this information. And at 2.30 in the morning, I woke up, I was like, oh my gosh, I can make videos. Literally 2.30 in the morning. And I I woke up my boyfriend, I'm like, I can make videos. And he's like, are you crazy? So so I started there and his, um, his niece had her own YouTube channel. So I called her the next day. I was like, I would need you to be my editor. And we started doing videos. And at first I started doing videos on YouTube mm-hmm. and they were like five to six minutes long. And, um, I was getting 25 views on a good day. Mm-hmm. Okay. On a good day. And another teaching in this is okay. You're not always going to be successful the first first time. Right. So I was looking at the analytics. I analyzed it. I was like, all right, after about a minute and a half, that's when people are jumping off. Hey, why don't I go to TikTok? Because TikTok is a minute long, right? If attention span is that short, I can provide the information in a minute. So, um, yeah, I locked myself in the room for four days. I created a hundred TikTok videos. Are you serious? TikTok videos. Yes. For four days. I did nothing but that. I gave it to my editor. She edited them. We put them up on TikTok, three of them a day for 30 days for the first month. And that's how I started growing my TikTok channel. Okay. So let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about doing a hundred videos. Cause I'm, I'm like having trouble even just doing one. So, <laughs> and I know people, I know there's so many women who, you know, because social media, right? Everybody's like, you got to be on social media. You have to be on TikTok. You have to be on yeah. Instagram. You have to be on Facebook. You have to be on. Why did you pick? I, I know that you said like the minute videos, mm-hmm. um, but you know, do you also do them on Instagram or you really focus on TikTok? I mainly focus on TikTok. I just started to focus a little bit more on Instagram. And the reason I wasn't on Instagram is because unless you're doing an Instagram reel, really? it's 30 seconds and that really isn't enough. So, and reels are just, just now starting to really pick up. So it was mostly a TikTok play, but now I am on Instagram. 
um, because, you know, you, you really have to be right. And, um, you know, I'll be honest, it's that I don't like, or I don't love being on Instagram because so much of that is look at me, look at all the cool stuff I'm doing. Look at this, look at that. And, you know, to me, that's just not very genuine. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not, so I don't like anything that's not genuine. If I, if I have to make it up, it just doesn't feel right to me and maybe it's a mistake, but that's just what it is. So, um, Instagram is something that, that I am doing, but I will post things that I do, you know, like, like what we're doing today. And, um, but I try to keep it as genuine as possible. Yeah. It's so funny. Cause I have a love hate relationship with all of social media yes. and <laughs> Instagram. Yeah. I was not on until like last year, my sister was like, you need to get on Instagram. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do it. And then TikTok, yeah. I have a TikTok account, but I really do nothing with it. But I have to say that watching your TikTok, I, I could see how it could be beneficial. Right. And I, and I think, and I want you to talk about the way in which you do your TikToks, um, because there's so many women, I think, who are thinking, um, well, I go on TikTok and I just see people dancing. I see people doing this and I don't really, you know, how am I going to use that for my business? I'm in finance. I'm a lawyer. I'm, you know, I have, I'm, I'm a coach. What is the best way? And I loved watching yours because they were really, um, they were short, but filled with so much information. And there was sort of a pattern to what you were doing. So without giving away all your trade secrets, (laughs) what are some of the tips that you would give to the viewers and listeners about, you know, really honing in? Because I think that that was the thing too, that you said, okay, I'm going to go on TikTok. I'm going to hone in. I'm going to go lock myself away, create these and put them out with this strategy. So what are some of the the things that you would tell the audience about, you know, if they were going to leverage a platform like TikTok, like some best practices? The first thing I would say is understand what you have to offer to the audience that they don't already know. So the most successful TikTok channels, the most successful TikTok videos are things that are teaching people things they didn't know. So for example, um, I see a lot of like workout videos. They're teaching people, oh, this is the right form to do this, right? Or finance, oh, you should invest your money this way. So anything that is not common knowledge to people is very, very important. And whatever you put out, you have to you have to know that this is something that's a value to people. Mm-hmm. Now, a, a lot of TikTokers are just dancers and they dance and and whatever. And people find value in that, too. And I'm not putting that down. I'm saying that those people that have the most followers, but they don't have necessarily the most engagement. So engagement is also important. That means people commenting on your videos, how many people are engaged in your videos versus just liking, 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 right? So engagement is important. So you have to give people things to think about and to think through when they're watching your videos. And after watching your videos, every single person that's watched your video should be able to take something from it. And if you follow that, um, I think that is really crucial to having a successful TikTok video. And also it's hard work. People don't understand how hard it is Um, for any video that I make. That's a minute long. That's about 45 minutes worth of work at least. And that's just me. That's not including the editing. 
So, um, you know, you have to write the copy. You, you have to really set set it up to where how you're going to say it. Make sure your background is okay. Make sure, sure your lighting is okay. You're going to do it three, four, sometimes even 10 times before you get it right. Yeah. So it's really hard work and time consuming. So don't think you're just like getting, you know, getting a camera and making a video and it's, it's going to go viral. That rarely happens. Yeah. And I think that last part is the part that that scares a lot of people. I know it's something for me, like I, I don't want to spend all that time yeah. doing that. And I think the, on the other side of, of people not wanting to do that, right, or being afraid of the, the time commitment is thinking, well, what is the return on my investment? So now I'm investing all this time to do all these videos and put, to put it on TikTok and somebody's engaging with me. So for you, um, Patty, what has been the return on that investment of your time and your energy um, on TikTok? The best return I've gotten on my investment is when I get uh, comments saying, you have changed my life Aww. because you did this. That is the biggest return. And if you're going into this wanting to be famous, doing it for money, doing it for, you know, all those reasons, you're not going to be great at it because it's not coming from your heart. Right. So, um, you know, I, I'll get comments. I, I remember this comment I got from this woman and it really touched me. She said, she watches all my TikTok etiquette videos. And she said, thank you for your etiquette videos because my daughter married into a very rich family. And at the wedding, I felt like I belonged because I had watched your videos. Or, you know, a girl saying, thank you for your, um, for your TikTok videos on interviewing. I followed everything that you said. I got the job within 10 minutes. That is what this is about. And that's yeah. what it should be about for you. Everything else will come. Yeah. I, I talked to, you know, um, I run Ladies Who Leverage, which is a global women's community. And I talked to the women about that, about increasing your influence and creating impact and the income will come, right? So yes. oftentimes we're going after the income first without creating an impact. And when you start to impact people's lives, even if, if they are not, so for the, for the women who are coaches and, you know, have businesses where they're using TikTok to get clientele, um, creating that connection mm -hmm. is important, right? Yes. And and I understand all that. I still don't want to do TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> you don't but have to, right? But you, you but you, right? But but even watching you, um, even watching your TikTok, um, I could see, right? Because I think that's part of it too. Maybe finding someone who um, is similar in terms of how you would want to come across on TikTok. And just mm -hmm. looking at yes. the the rhythm of it, and yes. you know how you're how you're putting across the content. Because when I watched you, I could easily see, um, you know, doing something for a minute, a minute and a half, where you're just giving these nuggets of information. And for you, like when you look at your TikTok, it's you, right? And it's yeah. basically the background that you have now. Yeah. Um, you have on, you know, your different tops or whatever. But there's not a whole lot of fanfare around it. It's just, here's the information. I love that you're so real on there. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I, I love how real you are on there. But you do give really good information in a short period of time. And like you said, that people can actually take that information and go do something with it. Yes, yes, yes. And I think, I, I guess for, for other people who are watching, you know, for them, 
there may be like a call to action at the end, you know, related to their business, but it does give you a good little framework of how you could show up, Mm -hmm. right. And all of your power on, Mm -hmm. on TikTok. Yeah. And you have to watch TikTok videos. If you want to do TikTok, I spent a lot of time on TikTok. Um, because whatever your craft is, you have to watch other people do it for you. I'm sure you've watched a lot of podcasts, right? Just to get ideas and see how people are doing it. If you're an author, you have to read. If you're a basketball player, you got to watch film. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you want to be on TikTok, you got to watch a lot of TikTok and just see how people do it. And then you'll get ideas. You'll form your own way of doing it, but that's how you get ideas on how to even start. If you have no clue. Yeah. And just to not be afraid, um, you know, as I was saying that when you think about where you are in your business and, you know, what other people might think, right? Like, oh, you're on TikTok. I mean, guess I guess now most people don't worry about it as much because everybody's yeah. <laughs> everybody's yeah. on TikTok. But but because everybody's on TikTok doesn't mean that you should be doing everything that is on TikTok. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, people are going to see that. So don't don't put anything on TikTok or on social media that you don't want the world to see, including your boss or the CEO of your company. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) What would you say um, when we're talking about etiquette Mm -hmm. and we're talking about um, TikTok or really any social media, what um, are some tips that you would give the audience so that they could avoid social media faux pas? Yes. So what I just said is never put anything on social media. You don't want the world to see. Okay. But, um, I have this acronym that, that I've created and it's called drips with two S's. So these are the things that should never be on social media. Okay. Anything that's drug or alcohol related, anything that's religion or religious related. Um, the I is for anything that's illegal. Okay. P is for politics anything that's sexual in nature. And then the other S is any, any like company secrets or proprietary information from your company. Those are things that should never go on TikTok. And if you follow those guidelines, um, I think that you, you would, you're going to be okay. Yeah. That last one I think is so important because it was funny. I was watching, um, TikTok the other day and there was a video and it was kind of, it was a recipe they were showing or how a company did something. I was like, mm, I don't know that that should be on TikTok and on your TikTok. So right. I don't know if you'll have a job tomorrow. <laughs> right. Well, company has social media policies. Most companies do. Right. And so you have to read your social media policy for your company. Before I started doing TikTok, that's the first thing I did. Mm-hmm. I went to our social media policy and figured out what I could and couldn't talk about and then followed those guidelines. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think those are all great, um, great tips because sometimes we just do the things um, and we're not thinking of, again, going back to what you said from the very beginning about being alongside it, right? right. We, we do it because everybody else is doing, or do you see somebody talking about their job and you want to talk about your job or what's happening there? You're in your uniform, you have your name tag on all of the things <laughs> and it's yeah. like, uh, not so good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think it's so important for us to step back and to leverage all these things. So it's really yes. important for us to leverage all of these things, but to do it in a way that doesn't impact you negatively. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I just love talking to you and um, I'm going to, I have to tell you this, Patty, I did not know this though. 
I saw your TikTok. Uh-huh. Um, it came up on my For You page. Now I watch TikTok, but not for research. I just watch right. it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was the one where you said, I just got proposition to be this guy's side, side piece. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But you- I saw it like, a, I saw it probably a couple weeks ago. And I didn't realize that that was you. Oh. And so as I was um, doing the research to interview you, yeah, and I looked again last night and I was like, that was, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was Patty. Well, you can talk about those five-year-old dude. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I, but, but, you know, I, I thought about whether I wanted to put that up or not. But it again goes back to you know knowing your worth, yeah, and knowing how to react when someone's disrespecting you as a woman. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to put it out there because people could benefit from that. It's one of my most successful videos. Yeah. I loved it, and I started laughing so hard yesterday <laughs> because I was like, I didn't even realize that that was her. So oh. you never know. You show up in you know, places. So. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it's absolutely. awesome. Well, Patty, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today on the Ladies Who Leverage podcast. Please let everyone know where they can follow you on TikTok. Sure. Duchess of Decorum and then on Instagram at Duchess of Decorum. Okay. And we'll make sure that that's in the show notes so that you all can follow her. Her TikTok is great. The advice quick to the point, but very actionable. Um, and I love that part of the, the focus is for young people, because yeah. I think that they are the ones that are, you know, will take some, have some missteps along the way, especially because of the age that they've grown Absolutely. up in and just everything just being out there. So yeah. again, thank you so much for joining us for on the Ladies me. Leverage podcast. Everyone, thank you again for tuning in. As you know, every Monday at 9 a.m., we drop a new episode. We really want to make sure that we are providing information that empowers women, that enlightens you, also entertains you, right? But we want to make sure that you have the skills and you also have the inspiration and motivation to really stand in your power. I'm all about women standing in their power. And so make sure that you tune in, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And for you female entrepreneurs and business owners who are looking for your group of women, your sisterhood, your tribe, whatever it is that you want to call them to help support you, inspire you, push you, and hold you accountable to make sure that you achieve your goals to build a thriving business. And as we say, live life unapologetically. AF, I want to invite you to join our Ladies Who Leverage community. You can go to ladieswholeverage.com and learn more all, all about it. And if you have any questions, just let me know. But again, thank you so much for joining us today and we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is brought to you by Lady Lawyer Media. If you're a badass woman who's ready to take action to live life unapologetically AF, then you need to join our global community on Facebook, Ladies Who Leverage. And remember to subscribe to our podcast. And until next time, let's collab source, strategize, and monetize. Are you a current speaker or an attorney, coach, expert, or entrepreneur? who's tired of speaking for free or being underpaid? Are you ready to make bank for your brilliance? 
I have the perfect solution for you. Speaker moguls. We create highly paid sought after speakers by focusing on teaching you to master the business of professional speaking and building a bankable speaker brand that gets you known and paid. If you're ready to do what it takes for clients to put some respect on your name and pay you your value, you need to join our Speaker Moguls community now. You can join us at speakermogulsgroup.com. Yep, that's speakermoguls with an S group.com. Let's go get your money.